So I'll read the passage for us, and then we will pray, and then we'll go from there. Okay, so it says this, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests with its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word, and we just come before it humbly. God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear, that although many words will be spoken, we pray that the word of Christ would, by your spirit, penetrate our hearts, that we would repent of our sins, that we'd be challenged and strengthened in our faith, and that, God, ultimately, your name would be glorified. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you had so much work to do, you weren't even sure where to start? Maybe uh, you were cleaning your room, and your mom comes in and says, if you don't get your room cleaned within one hour, you can't go to your friend's house. And you're like, okay, here we go. And you walk into your room and you look around and you're like, where do I even begin? Um, or maybe if you can relate to, to having so much work to do that you begin working and you've been working maybe for a couple of hours or you really got you know a sweat going, you've been going at it for a good minute and you look and it's seems like you haven't even made a dent in all that you're supposed to do. I mean, sometimes I feel that way about weeding. It's like, I'm weeding and weeding and weeding and weeding. And I looked, I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks like nothing even changed. Like, there's just so many weeds. Right, whether that come with homework, or if your parents make you do your own laundry, or, or, or something. I'm sure we all can relate at some point of our life of having so much work to be done that it just kind of feels overwhelming. You're like, oh. Like, I'll be honest, I still have nightmares when I think about my, uh, my Hebrew homework, going through Ruth annotations. If you want to see a really boring 76-page PDF, come talk to me. Just so much work. But would you imagine with me for a second? Imagine that you are a missionary in a foreign land, and you left your friends and your family and your society, and you went to a third-world country where they didn't speak your language. And where they didn't have any written language at all. And you worked your whole life to try to translate their language into the Bible. And for 30 years, as a missionary in a foreign land, you didn't see one convert. Imagine you're a small church in a hostile community. And as much as the church is engaging the culture and praying for the lost and doing what they can to be faithful 
the church community shrinks. I wonder if any of you have friends or neighbors or even family members that don't know Jesus and that you try to intentionally become their friend and, and you're loving to them and, and you, when you have the opportunity and it doesn't seem super awkward, you talk about your relationship with Jesus. And it seems that no matter what you do or what you say, they just aren't interested. They don't want to hear you talking about Jesus. They, they just don't want it. Why does it seem that the kingdom of God can feel like an endless amount of work and never get any smaller? But the way I see it is that there are more and more people who, know, who don't know Jesus. There are more and more issues, more and more things in the world that are broken that need help, that they need the gospel light to be brought into that situation. People need to hear about Jesus. And, and the more I think about all the work that as Christians we are called to do, the more I feel overwhelmed. Like when I have so much homework, I say, man, where do I even start? And when I do start, and, I, and I, I'm working really hard, I'm plowing, I look and I'm like, man, I've hardly done anything. Why does it seem like the, the Christian faith, the Christian life, maybe you think for your own self, let's think personally for a, for a minute. Like, hey, I come to youth group. Like, I'm faithful. I go to the trips. I, I read my Bible, you know. I, I try, you know, I'm not the best, but I'm kind of engaging. But I just kind of seem to be stagnant. I don't really see, like, this great mountaintop thing. And I'm not like this person. And when I see them worship, they're all, like, eyes closed, hands up. And I kind of just feel like... I'm on this treadmill or I'm just walking and doing all these things but I'm not going anywhere. I pose the question again, why does it seem like the kingdom of God or the Christian life feels sometimes like so many things to do and even though you do things and we come to things and we hear a lot of things, it seems like there just seems to be more work to do. More things to be done, more things to read, more things to hear, more things to know about, right? And I don't know about you, but I have dealt with this tension many, many times in the Christian life. Um, if you, there's this guy in the church, uh, it's kind of funny, every time I see him, every single time I see him, he asks me, so what you reading? And it's like, are you, you know what I'm talking about. I'm related. You're related to him, yes you are. Yes, and, <laughs> he asked a lot of people the same question. What you reading? And, and that's okay. That's our, that's our friendship. We, we talk about a lot of things. And I tell him, like, where do I begin? I was like, I'm reading this book on preaching. I'm reading this book on the mortification of Simon John Owen. I'm reading a book on parenting. I'm reading a book on how to be a better husband. I'm reading a book on youth ministry right now. I'm reading a book on... I got like seven, eight books, okay? And those are the books I'm like actually reading. Not to mention like the, the, book of, the books on my desk that I haven't started. There's, there's always more to know. There's always more to learn. There's always more to observe. There's always more people to have conversations with. There's always more of you. Things in your life that I love to talk about. And what I want for us to, to see from this passage that Jesus is getting at is that God is ultimately the one who is in control of our growth in the Christian life. God is the one who is going to make as we would say, things happen. And here, here's what I'd like us to do tonight. I have three points about the kingdom of God. And by the end of it, here's what I'd like us to, to kind of understand and know. 
that the pressure is off of us to perform in the Christian life. The pressure is off of us to perform in the Christian life. Now, that might seem a little tricky because you're like, what? That seems a little weird, but we'll get to it, right? So the first thing I want us to do is if you notice, we kind of read two different parables and we actually skipped one, right? So last week we talked about the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 20, and there's four different types of soil, right? And we talked about the good soil, the rocky soil, the soil on the path, and the soil among the weeds. And Jesus gave another parable. We kind of skipped over a lamp under a basket, but I want to focus on, on these two Parables that he mentioned seeds, right? Like, I find it interesting when I read Mark 4 that Jesus uses, talks a lot about seeds. Why is that? For us, that doesn't make much sense. Other than, like, when I was in kindergarten, I don't know about you, but, we like, we got to, like, plant a little vine, and you kind of, like, eat a little milk carton, and put some soil in it, and you water, you put it by the window, and every day you kind of check, and then... One day, it kind of slowly pops up. You're like, oh, yay. You know, like, other than that, I don't have much experience with seeds. Like, I guess one time I was at the zoo, and I bought a bunch of seeds, and I fed it to the birds or something. But, like, I, we are not an agrarian culture where most of us plant for a living. But can you imagine who Jesus is talking to in an agrarian society where everyone planted something? They're all farmers. They all lived off the land. And he was talking about the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom of God? It, it, is, it is God's reign. It is God's rule. It is, it is Jesus saying God now is coming to earth. God is not just some cosmic being up in the universe. God is bringing his rule and his reign to earth. And here are a few little stories to help you understand what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And so the first point is this. A kingdom being spread. So let's look at these verses for a second, okay? So Mark 4, 26 through 29, he gives us the first parable. He says this, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Okay, so pretty easy picture. So the king, what is the kingdom of God like? What is God's rule like? It is like someone getting seed and scattering it on the ground. Okay, pretty simple. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. Right? He doesn't know how. It just decides to grow one day. All he knows is that he goes and he scatters the seed. The earth produces by itself. First the blade. So first you kind of get the little thing that pops up. Then it grows a little bit more into a flower. Then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's a... I would like to ask Jesus one day, like, why would you describe the kingdom of God like this? A pretty, like, that's like, that's, that's like, the, the, what I would, if my little daughter said, Daddy, what's a farmer? Uh, a farmer is someone who gets seed, puts it in the ground, he waits for it, and then it kind of grows, and when the fruit comes, he takes it, and that's what a farmer is. And that's just pretty much what Jesus said, right? So the kingdom of God is like a farmer. And so, so here's the first point. It is a kingdom being spread. What is the kingdom of God like? It is a kingdom. It is a, a nation. It is a country being spread. So, quick little tidbit. This parable, the parable of the seed growing, is the only gospel out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that mentions this story. Mark is the only person who mentions this 
unique parable. And so here is what it is teaching us. That in essence, the kingdom of God grows when people go and scatter the seed. So here's the thing. I, I, I bring this up a lot, and, and I say this to middle schoolers probably more so. Why? Who here has seen Hunger Games? All right? When I saw Hunger Games, I didn't read the book. I'm not that kind of person. I don't read, I don't read fiction. I read a lot of other stuff, but not fiction, right? So when I watched the movie, though, I thought it was like the perfect, well, I've always thought this. Why doesn't God, at the end of the day, throw a little message in the sky, giving us a recap of what's happened? Right? You know, in the Hunger Games, like at the end of the day, they kind of throw up a little vision in the sky. It tells you from who died and from what district. Why doesn't God just kind of say, like, in the end of the day, throw up a little vision in the sky, move the clouds away in Olympia, of course, right? And kind of like, hey, I am God. I made everything. If you don't believe me, tomorrow something, something is going to happen. And then that something, something happens. You're like, oh, man, God was talking to us in the sky. Wouldn't that be cool? If God talked to us like Star Wars words in the sky, why doesn't God just give everyone the same dream or vision at night? Why doesn't God do a lot of things? But here's what he does do. He spreads his gospel, a kingdom being spread. He spreads it by his disciples spreading the seed. Let me say something. As Christians, as disciples of Jesus... Here is the responsibility we have. We have the responsibility of sharing with others the seed of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom only grows by seed being scattered. Do you know what that means? That no one becomes a Christian unless someone tells them about Christ. No one can become a Christian unless someone tells them. Thus for us, the the parable is teaching us that for God's kingdom to spread, it involves people like us taking the seed and scattering it. But it goes on, doesn't it? It says, he sleeps and rises at night and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. So here is the second part of a kingdom being spread. God is ultimately the one who makes his kingdom grow. So imagine for a second that you are someone who you have an announcement of a coming king. right? The king is going to invade the country or the king is coming back from war and he sends his heraldries out and he says, go and tell all the people of the good news, right? And the, the person would go into the tribes and villages and cities and he'd stand in a little box and he would give this good news pronouncement of what the king has done. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that person who gives the message, are they the one who's responsible for the victory? Were they the one who made the war happen? Were, were they the ones who are kind of talking about themselves in the message. No, they they are simply just spreading the news. They are spreading the message. And what this parable, what Jesus is saying, is like, you want to know what the kingdom of God is like? It is like a lot of people going out and planting seed, but here's the thing. They have no idea how it spreads or how it grows. And so the, the thing is, when we are called to share our faith with others, whether that be at our Thanksgiving table or at our school or on a sports team, we have no idea what God is going to do with the seed that we scatter. 
Like, imagine literally right now, seed is being scattered. Right? As you hear God's word, as you hear about the kingdom of God, seed is being thrown out. Now, fast forward 10 years. I have no idea how that seed is going to grow. I, I, I rise up, I wake up in the morning, I go to bed at night, I continue to spread seed to whoever will listen, whoever wants to hear the gospel and be a disciple of Jesus. But guess what? Only God can make the growth. Right? Paul, 1 Corinthians 3, says some think that Apollo saved us, some think Paul. But here's the thing. God gives the growth. And so, for a kingdom being spread, what Jesus is trying to say here is, one, the kingdom only spreads when people take the seed and scatter it. But two, that God gives the growth. Why should this matter to you? Why should this matter to you? One, do you ever feel the weight, personally, of sharing the message of the gospel with other people? You know, I think a popular question I have a lot of people ask me, maybe not so much recently, but in seasons it comes and goes, Aaron, how do I know, or how do I know someone or themselves is really a Christian? How do you really know if someone is believing in Jesus? And I kind of give this long answer where, you know, it's kind of hard to see an invisible thing, but I think mostly what the Bible says is the fruit that you show in your life. That a lot of people can say they believe, but ultimately, does your belief that your faith in Jesus, does it bear fruit? Is there evidence that the Spirit is working within you? And here lies one of the greatest fruits of the Christian life. That the people around you don't become just people anymore. They become people to love. They become people to share and to spread the seed with. The people in your youth group, the people you sit next to you, they don't just become people who make me kind of feel okay when I walk into youth group and I have no one to talk to, so I'm going to grab this person. They become brothers and sisters of who I can love and encourage and keep them accountable. And so some of the greatest fruit of, of being a Christian is that people become people to love people to know, people to care about, and people to share the good news with. But two, so the first is, do you actually even care about sharing the, net, the news with other people? But two, do you realize that when it comes to our responsibility of sharing the news, the pressure does not rely on you? Like, let me tell you something. Like, um, I don't know what you've, generally think of, of what a youth pastor does. Um, but it's a little intimidating, I'll tell you. Like, I, I actually kind of, I try to think about what I'm doing in general as a youth pastor. But let me tell you something. It would be a very scary day if I felt that students would only grow and mature in Jesus or even come to know him to the degree of how well I can communicate. To the degree of how much I'm likable to the degree of how much I can make people laugh and engage them on a Sunday night message, right? Like if, if people only grew depending on how good I was at scattering the seed, 
That's like crippling. Do, do you know what I'm saying here? If the pressure relied on me to get people in the doors and to grow a ministry, I don't want that pressure. Because I can't handle it. And here is the sobering fact that this parable tells us. That as much as I'm told to scatter the seed, guess who gives the growth? God does. I, I can preach all day long at you guys. And every Sunday night I do. I, I, I go for it. I make it my ambition to not just give you a little bit of water, right? Like a, a little bit of milk. I, I want you to have meat. I don't want grass. I want big trees, faithful oaks, right? And here's the thing. Ultimately, it is God who gives the growth. So here's the thing. When you do have a small opportunity to share your faith with someone, when you have that small window to share with maybe a sibling or a parent, I think we are all called to go and to share, to talk about Jesus. I mean, that is just some of the fruit of what it means to be a Christian. That we fall so in love with grace that we have to share with others. But here's what we have to remember. As much as we scatter, God gives the growth. Sorry, kind of a long first point. I realize that, but let's go on. The second point is this. So first point, a kingdom being spread to a kingdom growing. So we get this next parable. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? So again, Jesus is saying here, like, hmm, let me think here. How can I explain to you the nature of the kingdom of God? And he gives another parable about a seed. All right? So he says, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And so he kind of, Mark gives us a little clue here that Jesus kept talking in parables. So what is happening here? A kingdom growing. So Jesus now talks about how the kingdom of God isn't just like an apple seed, right? I think that's the seed that, who here like learns about Johnny Appleseed in the first grade, right? How he planted all the apple, you know. Go Johnny Appleseed. Good for, good for you. Right? So Jesus talks about a mustard seed. Now, if you do a little Google image, a mustard seed is very small. It's very small. And Jesus is talking about how this, although this seed looks really, really small, guess what it does? It grows into a plant that is so big and large that even a bird can come and perch on it. You think of a lot of seeds, like, you know, an apple tree. Yeah, birds can come on it. But you think of a plant or a flower. Not many birds can come perch on a plant. And so what is Jesus trying to say here? What is he trying to communicate to us? That, one, listen, God's kingdom starts small. Imagine Jesus for a second giving this parable. He's talking to his disciples, and they're probably on, on this road, and there's no one else with him. You got Jesus and you got 12, kind of like, you got a few fishermen. You got this tax collector dude. You got this hodgepodge of Jewish guys. They're probably pretty young. Matter of fact, they're probably all teenagers. Do you know what that means? Jesus was the first youth pastor. hey <laughs> So Jesus is walking around, and he's telling them. He's like, guys, listen. The kingdom of God, it starts small. Compare Jesus and his 12 friends, the hodgepodge, the island of Mr. Toys, compared to Rome. What did Rome have? 
Rome had palaces and roads and huge armies and a huge infrastructure. Rome was like the, the force of the day. No one could compare to Rome. And, and do you know what Jesus is saying? Hey, listen, it starts small. God's kingdom. Look, it's just me and you guys. But what happened to those 12 guys? When Jesus goes back into heaven, he sends the spirit, and with 12 guys, what does he do? Well, this person becomes a Christian, and this person becomes a Christian, and this person becomes a Christian. You know, it only took about 300 years, but eventually, all of Rome became Christianized. And even now to this day, if you look about, look where Jesus started with 12 guys, and think of the reach that the gospel has globally. Every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. I love a few months ago, Tyler Allison gave a message, and he put a map up on the screen, and he said, where are the Christians? They're everywhere. And so, so here's what's really interesting. Sometimes... I counted just for this sermon illustration. I don't usually count, but sometimes the gospel, the kingdom of God, is as small as 21 students on a Sunday night. Do you know that the average size church in America is less than 100 people? That a lot of times, what the kingdom of God, it looks small. It looks unimpressive. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles and the fast and the famous. But what happens to it? It's a kingdom that grows. It's a kingdom that you have a hard time putting your finger on where it is because it's everywhere. It's in this neighborhood and that neighborhood. It's in this city and it's in that city. And when you look at Jesus compared to Rome, you really get this picture that it's not something that just all the rich and the famous people glom onto. Matter of fact, let me read this passage from 1 Corinthians for you. And I love this passage because I think he's talking about us here a little bit. Um, so Paul, writing to the people in Corinth, he says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. So that's just what he's saying there. Hey, you really aren't that impressive when it comes to the world's standards. Nice way of saying it, right? Not many were powerful, not many were noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Do you know what he's saying? That every disciple... Every Christian, every church, every youth group, although it starts small, do you know what God is doing? He's taking those who in every kind of standard of the world aren't impressive, and he's kind of bringing together a hodgepodge of people, and he's making it something big. And do you know why God puts these unique 21 people in this room? It's so that no one can boast and that God can get the glory. Listen. No one makes it into the kingdom of God because they're super awesome. Because they have a lot to offer. Because, man, think what God can do with that guy's drumming abilities. Man, uh, I, you know, you got to think 10 years ago, God's looking down 
on us little earthlings. And he's saying, man, I, I just really got to get, I just really got to get Aaron Garnett on my team. I know that if I can get Aaron Garnett to, to work for me, you know, I'm going to make all these great things happen. Like, that's, that's not what happened, by the way. God shows what is foolish in the world. In essence, if you go back to my little hometown of Tehachapi and you tell people that, oh, yeah, my youth pastor is Aaron Garnett, they're like, oh, I know Aaron Garnett, but the whole him being youth pastor thing is where I think you're, you're wrong. Right? Anyways, God's kingdom, it starts small. It has humble beginnings. And by, by most people's first impressions or first glance, it's not that impressive. But here's what we have to understand. That even though that sometimes we have very small moments that are mostly overlooked, that are very ordinary, God is bringing something into fruition, a large, large movement. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? We are all humans, and therefore I think we, we all understand what it's like to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I think every single one of us at times are looking for the next big thing to excite us, to give us reason and energy to get up in the day. We want to find some type of movement, some type of cause to draw us in. And here's the thing. Sometimes I think people get so involved in church and youth group and all the Christian stuff just because it's another way for them to find their ultimate fulfillment. And that, that is just as wrong as joining any other organization just to get something out of it for yourself. Let me tell you something, guys. Like Most churches and over the entire scope of, of the globe, churches in India, Churches in China, churches in, in rural Kentucky, a youth group in Olympia, Washington. A lot of times, guys, you know what it looks like? It looks unimpressive, it looks small, it looks ordinary. But do you know what the kingdom of God is like? It's like a tiny little mustard seed. Although you, don't, you might not think much of it, do you know what happens with the mustard seed? It grows and it becomes something. And so we aren't to look at the small little things and the ordinary things and begrudge them, but we need to know that God uses them. Third point. Third point is this, okay? And this is where I talked about our end goal, right? I said, at the end of this message, I want us to realize that the pressure is not on us. Third point is this. It is a kingdom received. It is a kingdom received. Let me, let me tell you something about being a Christian. Um, I'm not sure if anyone ever told you this, but when it comes to being a Christian, there is a tremendous amount of work to be done. I, mentioned, I hinted this earlier. But when you just consider, even our, consider you're in high school, right? Consider you're in high school. How many people would you say have a, a personal and deep relationship with Jesus Christ. How many people in the city of Olympia and Tumwater know the gospel and are finding their hope in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? How many people in the world still have never even heard the name of Jesus before? More than that, how many Christian families have deep, abiding dysfunction how many of you 
have issues in your own life, sins that you're worried about, sins that, that you keep to yourself, that, that you know are a problem, and no matter what you do, it just kind of becomes a cyclical thing where you just kind of do it, and you repent, and you do it again, and you go down this, this little road where you just seem to kind of have this sin with you. There, what, what I'm trying to say here is that, that there is never less work to be done in the Christian life. There's always more work to be done. There are always more people who have problems. There are more people who need to know Jesus. There, there are so many injustices and people without water and people who are sick that we can help. But at the very same time, it is a kingdom received. What do I mean by that? Jesus, when he left earth, did not say, hey, I want all of you, my disciples, go and make the kingdom of God. Go and do it. Go and make a bunch of converts. Go and save all the poor African kids. Go and make sure that all your kids in your high school know about Jesus. Go and work. Go and perform. Go and do. See, it's, it's, it's an odd upside-down reversal. And that says there's so much work to be done in the kingdom of God, yet it's a kingdom that's already accomplished. It's a kingdom that's already received. Imagine that you go into a bookstore and you decide to read fiction. And you start at the ending. And you know how the ending of the book goes. And so you start reading into it. Do you see how that changes the perspective of when you're reading the book, if you know the ending? And the exact same thing is true of us as Christians. Listen, we know that when Jesus was on the cross, he uttered the three greatest words ever. What were those words? It is finished. Jesus boldly proclaims to all of you, he says, hey, listen, I have done the work. I have accomplished what needs to be accomplished. I have brought the kingdom of God down. I have fulfilled everything my Father has given me. You rest. Jesus gives the growth. Jesus is responsible for saving people. It is not a kingdom that I have to go out and say, man, I just got to get as many high schoolers as I can into a room, and I got to make them believe this, and I got to make them act really good in public. It is a kingdom that we don't have to build. It is a kingdom that's received. But let me ask you a question. Does that mean that there's no work to be done? No. There's a tremendous amount of work to be done. And so here is what I would like us to think about this point. One, I don't think any of you need to worry or stress about the issues that you face in your life. Let me say something. God's grace is so sufficient for you that when it comes to your to your porn problem, when it comes to your problems with integrity at school, when it comes to your relationship with your parents, those might be things that nag you, that you know they kind of exist. Let me tell you something. God is already ahead of it. God is there, and he's working through it, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to bring the growth. Also, when it comes to, to actually living out the Christian life, Again, I, I want to come back to this point of, of what does it look like to be someone who is actually following with Jesus? Following Jesus. What does, that, what does that look like? 
And, and here's the thing, guys. Like, there is hardly any evidence in Scripture of someone just merely saying they believe in Jesus. It is always someone where their faith is in the accompaniment of good works. And just let me ask you a hard question. Is there ever a desire in your heart to bring the good news of Jesus to other people? Because the good news is this, that Jesus went on the cross when he said it is finished. Him raising from the dead gave us proof that he actually accomplished everything. And when he ascended into heaven, do you know what he did? He sent his spirit to give us the energy and the motivation and the ability to apply the gospel to our lives. And do you know what happens when we have the spirit in our lives? We begin to crave and desire the things of Jesus. We begin to love people like Jesus loved them. We begin to see the destruction and the dysfunction of sin, and therefore we decide to kill it. We don't see grace as something that demotivates us, but motivates us even more to the Christian life. And so here's the thing, guys. If you want fruit of the kingdom of God in your life, look no further than your heart's desire to obey and please Jesus. Look no further than your desire to, when you see someone next to you, what are your thoughts about them? Is there a desire to, to genuinely care about them and to love them? And so when we think about all the work that needs to be done, when we think about the kingdom of God, how it is a, it's a mustard seed that's growing, that even though it looks small and ordinary, guess what? God is there and he's making it spread. And even though we are responsible for scattering the seed, God gives the growth. Let me, let me say something, okay? We'll, we'll sing a little bit more. Every Christian should feel the weight of bringing the gospel message to every single person that they encounter. At the very same time, they should resolve to rest that God has given us a kingdom that is to be received, not to be earned. And it is not something that I have to feel pressure about, right? Listen, listen, I care about every single one of you. I want every single one of you to be nourished and to grow up to be wise, mature believers. But the pressure is not on me. And so, the last thing I'll say is that the way of Jesus is rest. Sometimes we will feel like we haven't made a dent in anything. Right? You can come to youth group week in and week out, and sometimes it just feels like there's more to learn, more to do, more to see. But when we remember that Jesus has fulfilled and accomplished everything, we can realize that the rest we get from Jesus gives us the motivation to keep going on. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you that you have given us a kingdom to be received. Father, I pray that in the hearts of these students that there would be a desire to know you and to love you. God, I pray that that we would go far beyond just our, our adequate understanding of the gospel, that it would move and transcend into lives and hearts that, that beat for you, God. 
God, I pray that we would bear fruit in such a way that we would look past ourselves and see the people around us. And Lord, I, I pray that we would come to see that sometimes the kingdom of God may not be impressive, it may not be um, it may not appear to be anything special. But Lord, I pray that you give us the the faith to know and to see that you are in it. And even in this night, even in in your word, that you are speaking, that you're that you're working in our hearts, that you're sanctifying us by your grace, that your word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So Lord, I pray that these students would be students who are captivated by the rest of Jesus, who know that the burden does not rely on them, but that they would 100% know for certain that in Jesus it is finished. So, Lord, lastly, pray that you give us the courage, the strength, the motivation to go out and to work in this kingdom, to work planting seed. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.